0: Hello and welcome to the first ever AMPT and SHR collab. We are so excited to welcome the association of mixed people at Tufts with the Tufts sex health reps. And we are super excited to have this podcast today to talk all about the intersections of mixedness in relation to sex and dating and love. And so we have a great team here today from AMPT. I let them introduce themselves. Um, I will also start off. My name is Jessica. I use she, they pronouns. I am half Chinese and half Ashkenazi Jewish.
1: Hi, I'm Nicole Kidman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, actually, my name is Ian. I'm a junior here at Tufts. I use they them pronouns. I am half Puerto Rican, half white.
2: Hi, um, my name is Alex, wink, wink. And I'm a first year here at Tufts. I am half Chinese and half Spanish slash Catalan. It gets complicated. But if you don't know, Catalonia is a region of Spain, and we are very proud of the difference between Catalonia and Spain. So yeah, basically half Chinese, half white. I'm Kaylani. I'm a sophomore at Tufts. I
3: use she, her pronouns, and I'm half Puerto Rican and half black. Beautiful.
0: Awesome. Great to have you all here today. Um, And so, why don't we just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, Some topics we are going to talk about today are just what does it mean to be mixed race or ethnicity or cultures in relation to sex and dating and love, and what does that look like for us, and we're going to talk about interracial dating, attitudes about sex, having multicultural households, and navigating that. So why don't we go ahead and start from the very beginning. Let's talk about how sexuality and dating and all those types of things were introduced to us in our multicultural households. We can go ahead and jump into that.
2: Yeah, I I can go. So I'm not sure if this is just a my parents thing, but sex was not really talked about, kind of at all in my house. Um, I specifically remember being in primary school, elementary school, and some of the girls in my grade having this like I'm, I'm sure you all remember the, the care and keeping of you that yes. the, the American, the American Girl, Girl Doll book yes the American Girl one. Doll yes. book yeah um, let's talk about that <laughs> yeah so I mean I saw it you know because my friend brought it to school and it was like revolutionary to me because my I mean my parents had never really explained any puberty kind of stuff to me so I remember reading it and taking it home and my mother finding it in my backpack and being like what is this? Why do you have it? And I was like, oh, "Oh, I don't know. And I mean, adding to the awkwardness was that was the boobs page my sexual awakening? Maybe. Oh. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, um, that's neither here nor there. (laughs) But I guess the point is, sex and even puberty, obviously, wasn't really talked about in my household. They kind of just let it be a learn that in sex ed at school kind of thing
1: yeah I was pretty similarly sheltered my parents were both raised and still are Roman Catholic Mm. so there was definitely a lot of that kind of attitude towards sex in my house at school and at home we were taught pretty much like abstinence only and, like, if you, like, I mean, use protection, obviously, but if you ch- do choose to do it, but, like, don't do it, basically. Right. And I don't know. I feel like thinking – I don't know. I was, like, thinking about my history with, like, talking about sex growing up, and I, I remember being, like, I am drawing a blank. I just couldn't remember – I know me and my parents – my parents definitely sat me down and like talked with me about like the birds and the bees and all that but I don't know I just remember feeling very like sheltered and honestly a little bit like repressed a little and that was very interesting to work with and I don't know if that like really relates to mixedness but it's definitely like I mean my parents are kind of like both Catholic and I think that's kind of like the reason why they are like not one, definitely like a huge part of like why they're together but yeah who can relate <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: yeah I don't really remember any talks about like sex in my house I think in terms of relationships I remember so my parents are divorced so when I was with my mom I remember like there was always this thing about like oh like there has to be someone you like like I simply must know yeah and I just never want to feed into it so <laughs> yeah and I guess that was kind of the only conversations I rem- remember having and it's because it was so awkward <laughs> that one time I just told her someone's name and then she proceeded to like make a whole thing of it and like set Ugh. some things mm. up I was like oh that yeah. was not what we wanted I just wanted to avoid the conversation um. So, yeah, most of the things I remember are just, like, awkwardness. Also, now I'm ace, so that's fun. So, yeah, slay. Real. <laughs>
0: slay. Real. Yeah, I had similar experiences. Sex did not exist in my household. Um, And if it was talked about, it was a very shameful thing. And my mother, who is the Chinese one, would always tell me that I can't have sex until I am out of college and have a full-time job. Basically, which means... <laughs> having sex just to have kids. And um, anything before that was not okay and frowned upon and mm, shameful, basically. So interesting growing up with that and also receiving, like, no sex ed in Catholic elementary school and then, like, kind of, like, okay sex ed for two months in, in public high school. So it was an interesting journey getting... To where I am today. <laughs> yeah, I think
1: it's sure. really. I mean, I think your mom can has a point, like in her <laughs> being like, you need to get that bag I mean, before get the bag first. <laughs> Prioritize the bag.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could do that, <laughs> but no. You know. But I, I definitely relate to that. I feel like it also has to do with the way my parents grew up. So my mother grew up in China. My father grew up in Barcelona. They were both huge nerds. Basically. <laughs> my mom was, like, class president or
1: whatever. Drag them. Like, <laughs> oh, my God.
2: No, okay. No, like, they, they were happy, I'm sure. Um, the point is, they got no play. <laughs> 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 no risk. You're Drag them No, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that they were each other's first boyfriend, girlfriend. Wow. Wow. Right. I... Think so, so I <laughs> no and I see I don't think it was for any reason like they weren't religious or anything it was just they you know so the point is like um then we have me and my older brother right and god my brother would have his girlfriend over all the time and you know they would sleep in the same room like she would sleep over they would sleep in the same room Everyone knew what they were doing. It was just not talked about. Like, zero, zip, zilch, nada. Like, they did not even acknowledge the fact that, like, they were probably fucking, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, no, not probably. They were fucking, like, I don't know. God. But he would stay at hers all the time, too. Mm. So, like, I I guess my parents just, like, didn't want to believe it or just, like, blocked it out. Mm. Because then, I mean, I would have my partners over, you know, when I eventually got to the age of doing that. And my friends would be like, your parents are fine with that? Like, they they let you sleep in the same room, blah, blah, blah. Like, and I was like, they just don't say anything about it. It's like they're scared to confront me about it, almost. Mm. And, like, that's the extent to which sex is just not talked about, which I think is really interesting.
3: You know And you bring up a good point because at least I thought that what my family was doing was the like extreme of like we're not gonna do it but like you're like no like they knew what was happening they just oh my they didn't address the shit Mm-mm. I mean I okay so my dad I remember like when I was growing up so my sister is 10 years older than me And also went to boarding school. So when I was growing up, I thought I was an only child. And then, boom, she came home, and I was like, whoa. That's crazy. Uh, (laughs) That
1: object permanence just (laughs) kicking your ass.
3: Uh, But I remember, like, she would bring boyfriends home, and my dad was like, no, he needs to stay in a hotel. He cannot be in the house. Yeah. So I have not had, like, a partner that I brought home, but I've had friends who I'm like, okay, like, let's go to New Jersey, sleigh. And my dad's like, okay, just making sure you're not in, like, a relationship or anything, right? And I'm like, no, he's gay. And then, you know, it's like, oh, okay, then fine. But it's always, like, that conversation of, like, nothing's going to happen in this house, <laughs> right? But, like, low-key. So, yeah, it was
2: that was just an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, for I, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, it worked, you know? <laughs> like, I was chill with it.
0: Yeah, I wonder, I'm wondering if it's better that they didn't acknowledge it at all versus if they were very opposed or very for it or if like one parent was one way or one parent was another way I think like I had the thing where my white father was very much just like gonna pretend doesn't exist I've never talked about my period to him I've never talked about puberty dating anything with my father Mm. versus my mother is very openly like anti-sex i guess and like relationships before i'm 30 years old or whatever yeah damn Um, so although in this economy
1: (laughs) i don't know (laughs) yeah it's interesting that there seems to be like very like out of sight out of mind for all of us right i don't know there's something to be said there
3: i think that theme of like out of sight out of mind i i went to boarding school So, my parents, like, never saw me unless it was, like, time for a break. And I remember, (laughs) this is terrible, when I, it was, like, you know, peak COVID, we had to get our stuff out of our rooms. And so, my parents came and helped me, like, pack up all my shit. Oh, no. And there was, okay, there was, like, peer educators, which think, like, sex health reps, but, like, in high school. And they, like, went around to each of the dorms and gave a little presentation on, like, how to put on a condom. Slay. So they were like <laughs> forcing everyone to take one condom. So I said, Okay, well I'll take it. Um and I put it in my drawer. <laughs> we're now we're flashing back to the to the packing up of things. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> my mom found the condom and was like, Here, hide this before your father comes back. And I was like, Okay. Oh, <laughs> Slay. So it was like interesting to see her being like I know what this is. I'm automatically assuming what's happening, and he is not going to agree with it. So, like, that was the only time I really got a recognition of an idea of like who and like what their views are. So, I thought this was the end of the conversation. I, I was like, okay, this is peak embarrassment. We're not going to talk about it ever again. She brings it back up a week later. Oh, Lord. Not even <laughs> the next day. A week later, I was living life. It had been sitting. Right. Like, it was <laughs> sitting. And then she was like, I just want to know like tell me if you are having sex and i was like no it was a part of like a little program they did and she was like really she was disappointed <laughs> Oh <no.
1: laughs> she was like oh. l <laughs>
3: <laughs> but i mean it was interesting because then she was like you know if you ever need anything in college like your sister would come to me because she knew your father didn't really agree with any of that so it was nice to know that there was support i feel like it just came after the fact like, there was no talking before, which I feel like is helpful in a lot of cases. But just <laughs> that's a little silly, goofy story. Um, yeah. That kind of, I don't know, just popped into my mind, but I feel like relevant. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think it's interesting how it was kind of like, hush, hush. Like, your father can't know that I am he- here to support you and your endeavors with that. Mm. So, on the topic of parents, if we want to move into... Kind of, I think another part we're going to talk about in this podcast was like interracial or intercultural dating, um, being the product of it, doing it ourselves, maybe, just like dating in general with other mixed people, other mono, like racial people, monocultural people, anything like that. So I guess it's kind of broad, but if we were to start off with just talking about, since we were talking about our parents, what is it like? To have interracial parents, do you see kind of like interesting dynamics with them being different cultures? Do you see that apparent in different ways? If anyone has any like stories or anything like that,
2: yeah. Well, my parents both came to the United States like around the same time. My parents met as pen pals. I know, I know, everyone, I know, everyone (laughs) says that's so cute. No, it is, but it was like a pen pal program to learn English. And both of my parents did not they they weren't American. They're American now because they became citizens, but they they weren't American So but it's still like an Eastern and a Western culture, uh, you know, like Spain versus China and I think there was that I mean obviously like my father Like not only is he white, but he's also a cis man. So he's had very different experiences from my Chinese mother and it's very obvious sometimes that he doesn't like see necessarily see the things that are like different I feel like sometimes it's kind of just like he assumes that everyone's had the same experience as him which is interesting to look at but even like interactions between my mother and I we are both Asian women living in the United States right but the things that I see as like for like microaggressions for example she doesn't really like clock like I remember we were talking once oh yeah we were talking about so i live in atlanta i'm from atlanta Mm -hmm. lived lived there like my whole life and in last god like march there was this shooting at three spas in atlanta they were asian-owned spas if any of y'all remember but i actually wrote my college app about that so anyway but we were talking about it because obviously it was like very important to me and my mother was like do you ever feel oppressed? Like, do you feel like there's racism against you? And I was like, do you not? I'm sure, like, she's had experiences, but I feel like either just being from a different country or just maybe not being raised with, like, how I feel like it's it's quite visible now is just very different. And then if my mother's like that, my father's even more so, you know? Like, he definitely doesn't see those kinds of things. And I think like when it's a white parent raising children of color, that's definitely something to be to be talked about.
1: Yeah, I really resonated with a lot of that because like, I don't know, it's very interesting because I actually just I was talking to you guys off air about this, but I just interviewed my mom for a class specifically about her being um, Latina in the United States. um, She was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. And my dad is a white man born in similarly, like, smaller town in Ohio. They met in grad school. Actually, they were both trying to be dentists. And they are. And it was really interesting because she was talking about how, like, She obviously like identifies with being Puerto Rican, but not necessarily like the culture part of it. She was telling me how like, just kind of disconnected she felt. Like she can still speak the language, and not speak the language, she can understand a lot of the language and like had a lot of like, obviously both her parents, Puerto Rican, ate a lot of Puerto Rican food, um, was exposed to a lot of the culture kind of that way. But other than that, she was raised like, pretty, like, white American. And she was kind of alluding to how she kind of felt more American than she did Puerto Rican. And I think because of that, my white dad can kind of say a lot of things in my household mm. about Latino women, or, like, not Latino women specifically, but about, like, um, Latina people and my mom just kinda like lets it slide a little. Like yeah. I I kinda gather that she really doesn't like know what to do in those like situations. My dad is a very interesting character. <laughs> um he's he's white, he's cis, he's a man. And I think that combination of like my mom and my dad I don't know, I just it was very weird growing up, being like I have these two different sides of me, but I don't really like identify with either of them because my mom didn't really pass on her culture to me because she didn't really identify with it in the first place, right. and then my dad's just I mean, he's white. What culture is they're really pass on? So it's very interesting, I think, because I look, I feel, I feel like I look ambiguous, but I don't. I also feel like ambiguous if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. One of the things you said about the white dad kind of reminded me of my own experience with the white dad but specifically my white extended family also it's different because it's Spain you know to Spanish people Asians are just chinos like los chinos yeah. that's it they're only Chinese people apparently but my my grandparents my white grandparents like were very supportive of my dad apart from the fact that like this was a woman she had he had seen like twice in person and they met as pen pals (laughs) but like they they got married in china my grandparents went to china all the way for the all the way to china for the for the wedding um and it's all very nice my white grandmother like is learning chinese and everything but you can't help but notice when you, your brother, and your mother are the only non-white people at a family gathering it's like you can you can sort of see, I guess, the the difference and it doesn't help that my mother doesn't speak Catalan or Spanish very fluently she tries and she's like not at all bad at it but it does sometimes feel like they're not necessarily laughing at her or at us but they see the difference and the differences felt, you know?
3: In high school, I was a part of both the like Latinx group and the black group. The black group was a mix of both Latinx and black people, but then they changed it like halfway through. Anyway, slay. Um, <laughs> so I was there at the me- <laughs> I was there at the meeting, and I remember it was the interracial dating meeting. So I said, let me pop out to this meeting. <laughs> Obviously. So Mm -hmm. I sit there and I was like in the corner of the room because I was not prepared to speak. But I remember that there was this whole argument because there was this black man in the group uh, was dating this white girl. And everyone was like arguing with him and like talking about how he was a sellout. And I was sitting in the corner and I'm like, well, what does that make me? (laughs) Um, Like, you know, and it was just like all of these feelings were coming up. And at that point, someone had told me I wasn't Hispanic and I was just having Mm -hmm. this whole crisis of like, okay, so like, you know, everyone else around me is telling me what I am and what value that has to the world. And I remember after that, I didn't even step foot in that club anymore. I was like, obviously, the people have spoken and I'm not going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) So I found myself like diving more into the Latinx group, which was nice um, because I hadn't really explored that part of my identity yet. But it also had some drawbacks. Uh, I think everyone knew I was, like, a valuable member of the club, but when it came time for elections and everyone's like, you should run, like, you would definitely make a good person on the e-board or whatever. When I shared that I didn't really speak Spanish that well, but, like, I've always felt like I was involved in the culture, people automatically, like, attack that. Mm. And then I, like, didn't get on the e-board and I was like okay well I still enjoy the club like I ended up still going but it just it reminded me that you know a, a lot of what people say does matter so in the world like I can say I you know I'm a strong mixed person but people's like views on you and like how they perceive you is still going to make or break I mean that's kind of sad but <laughs> I mean it's important to still be strong. But yeah, that was just like in high school, my experience in kind of that conversation on interracial dating kind of started all of that. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do we wanna kind of related go on with interracial dating? What maybe what does dating and sexuality and gender and like everything like that? Like what does that look like um to us mixed people? Also like while dating and, and talking about love life or whatever else um, I think something important is the fact that mixed people are often super fetishized and this kind of goes for like no matter really what your mix is people are always like oh my gosh you're more than one thing like that's so exotic and Mm -hmm. crazy and that can definitely play a big role in your relationship to like dating and all that stuff so if anyone has thoughts on that funny stories um, anything like that
1: the amount of times oh, no. the they I that I've been eating with my family out, and some random white person will come up to me and my family at my table and be like, "Your family is so beautiful." Oh please, <laughs> uh, wow. God! If I had if I had a nickel, but like, I think like at the time I was I didn't really know what that really was kind of indicating, and I was kind of like, oh. I'm pretty. (laughs) (laughs) But now that I think about it, I'm like, wait a minute. There's definitely, like, some sort of, like, otherization, like, going on here. Mm. I think being mixed is, like, for a lot of people, like, the palatable amount of other that one can be.
2: Ooh, girl. Ooh, girl. That
1: without, like, crossing a line and... I think reflecting back like on my own relationships and things like that, I mean, I can't really think of any specific examples, luckily, where I have felt that, but I think it's just always kind of in the back of my mind, I guess.
2: I, yeah, I definitely relate. <laughs> I really relate to what you said about being like the right amount of palatable because you have the white mixed in, you know. A man said to me once, the whole mix thing really works for you.
1: Uh,
2: and I uh,
1: I he was like so the the real. way our hands <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, all our went to our right mouth. <laughs>
2: I know, because what in God's name does that actually mean? The whole mix thing really works for me? Like, does that mean that... Do I have it, a choice? Like? Right. No, but even... If I, if I, like, so if I didn't have my white side, does that mean you wouldn't be attracted to me? Or if I didn't have my Asian side, does that mean you wouldn't be attracted to me? I think it's it's just, like, truly wild to me.
3: Yeah, I think something on those lines... I think I've always been perceived as black first... And in middle school, I used to always wear my hair in a bun or in a braid, so when I would wear my hair down automatically it was like, "Oh, she's something else. Mm. So there's something in there because it's the hair is giving <laughs> and so it, it was it was always that, and I remember like someone went up to me and was like, "Oh, you look like Pocahontas." girl and left it and left uh-uh. it like they just walked away they thought, like,
1: they, they thought they ate that
3: <laughs> they really did they thought they ate that and I simply was just stunned in the middle of the hallway and a lot of people it's that like being perceived as naughty, not anything related to what I am my name doesn't help either a lot of people think I'm Hawaiian and call me Moana. Uh, I love getting called Disney Please. people. Please. I, I mean, <laughs> just give me the princess title. Um, the second thing is, why is everyone obsessed with like what my kids will look like?
2: That.
1: Whoa. That. Oh. That,
2: oh. That, yeah. that. Let's that. Let's, let's, let's talk, that. talk okay. about that.
1: I remember like, there was another girl who um, I'm pretty sure was also mixed. I think her mom was also similarly like Caribbean Latina, and then her dad was white and the kids would be like, oh my god, you, if you two, like, cause she also had like, light eyes, curly hair, oh. kind of like, tan skin, mm-hmm. and the amount of kids who would be like, oh my god, your kids would be so pretty. Girl. Or like, or like the kids who would like, just like, without warning, would just like, reach out and like, pet me, cause my hair. That part.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my god.
1: Girl. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I'm um, kind of really like, with dating apps being such a big part of like dating culture in today's world it adds another layer of like being anonymous kind of like on the internet so people are way more bold to be like our babies would be so beautiful together or like i've never gotten with an asian chick before just like gross like that's like the opening line that no hello no how are you it is just like straight up racism in the first (laughs) chat like straight up up. up racism (laughs) (laughs) and i just think it's like So interesting that people feel Just a slur. Yeah, no, like, (laughs) (laughs) not far from it. And people just feel so... They're like, yes, this is a very okay thing for me to do, and I'm going to do it. Literally. And it's just, like, been crazy. Like, that's really deterred me away from dating apps because I'm like, I don't want to get hate-crimed on a Tuesday online. Like, it's just, Mm. like, I open my phone, and it's there, and I'm like, wow, I didn't even do anything. I just existed, Mm -hmm. and I'm getting
1: this. See, I feel like nowadays, I mean thank god but like people don't people don't show their hand like they used to mm-hmm. in terms of like racial preferences and like mm-hmm. how they feel cuz i feel like i mean thank god i haven't experienced a lot of like like actual like discrimination or racism but like sometimes i've just like if i could go into your mind and like know what you like really think about this I don't know. It'd be crazy.
3: I think an interesting thing that I've noticed. I don't use dating apps, just because the whole ace thing makes that complicated. But I, when I'm like thinking about people I've liked in the past, a lot of times they fall into a type, um, and it's usually like white people. But because I feel like what you were saying about like this new turn of like not showing hands. They don't really like to talk about identity that much, mm-hmm. so I don't have to think about my identity issues, and we can just slay and, like, hang out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's the, the trend I'm In doing. that order. Right. right. Slay first. <laughs> um, then hang so, out. <laughs> right. Um, so that's has the thing I noticed. I've been trying to be aware of it, and... Mm-hmm. You know and just be you know a little more open-minded but I do notice that that goes with friends as well I feel like I haven't really been friends with like black people and my family notices that too they're like I see you have white friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they're like, they're like, not- wait. they're they're like, like waiting
1: been- for you when you get home. <laughs> like.
3: They're like, have you visited the Africana Center? <laughs> um, <and I'm> like, <laughs> like, i I've gone to a couple programs. Um, but I, I do know, notice that. And I think that is tied in with a lot of those like being excluded from groups and wanting to feel like accepted and we've fallen into the white trap. But we're
2: learning yeah that's really interesting because I sort of feel almost the opposite mm. and I think it might be because like I don't know I I like to think about it too much like I think about my identity all the time and I think about why that why I am the way I am
0: classic mixed people things absolutely <laughs> universal.
2: and sometimes I'm like maybe I don't I don't like thinking about my whiteness because I feel like when I think about my whiteness, it detracts from everything that I've experienced as an Asian person. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to explore that because I I went to school, well, I'm from, I already said that, I'm from Atlanta. And Atlanta's not necessarily like a very white city, but I went to school, private school, in a white part of town and it was I mean, it was labeled out as like an international school, but that just meant like white people from different parts of the world, <laughs> you know? <laughs> they were like, Oh yeah, diversity and it's just like a white person it's from just... France and a white person from <laughs> Germany. Like, girl. Um But they
3: thought they ate. they really did.
2: <laughs> so yeah, it was just interesting to think about that. And then also like I don't know sometimes my my friends are like Ugh, but why are you with like this white person like but yeah i mean it's really interesting that like now i'm doing that to my white side because i feel like when i was younger like all i wanted was to be more white like i oh my god i remember being younger and wishing so bad that i had light eyes because like my grandma had light eyes or my grandma my white grandma has light eyes but yeah i don't know i just that shift is interesting because like when I was little I was like oh like all the white girls are like pretty blah 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 I want light hair and light eyes and now I'm like don't perceive me as white or I will cry (laughs) I feel that heavy
1: I think there is definitely that like light skin biracial Mm -hmm. stereotype not stereotype but like image Mm -hmm. that I fall into and that has been very interesting to try and unpack and like thinking about how I don't know maybe some people might like find me like more desirable because of that yeah and I think it's also very interesting too because like for me being gay I don't know if you guys like knew that but um what What? (laughs) but like (laughs) kids are kind of I mean unless I like surrogate like they're not gonna be like my like blood related kids like I like cannot feasibly think of a way to do that if I were like dating like a cis guy. So I think in that regard I'm safe. <laughs> but like me as a person, I think it's gonna be I don't think I've ever I don't I have I can't remember feeling tokenized in any of my relationships. thank God I can't think of like, what that would do to me like if i found out that like someone was like fetishizing me in that way
2: for me like as an asian person specifically i feel like there are just so many like asian girl stereotypes there's like like the abg for example ooh the asian baby girl mm-hmm. i am like the way i am so not her but i i feel like i'm perceived as her sometimes from, like, white men who just see all Asian women like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think I've had an experience where I'm, like, tokenized either. Um, Mostly because I do more – I'm just a whore, okay? I do less relationships and more
1: hookups. Um, Someone in this room has to. Exactly,
2: exactly. I mean, you're ace. I'm
1: not getting any. (laughs) Like, I know I'm not getting any. (laughs) you
2: got it for all of us no I got you guys I got you guys so hard I got you guys but yeah no but honestly let's unpack that too because seeing I don't know being an Asian woman and feeling more being more comfortable as like being like a sexual object than being like a person to be loved and cared for hmm interesting much to consider but, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's that might may or may not be a common afab thing.
0: This has been a wonderful conversation. I think we're having a really good time, and we've been relating with a bunch of different stuff with each other. Um, I think to wrap it up, why don't we um maybe, if you could give advice to a fellow mixed person at Tufts who might be listening to this, and if they're interested in exploring, dating, relationships, sex, love, hookups, like anything like that in that regard, what advice would you give them in related to them being mixed? Or maybe not either. Just general advice, too.
2: That white boy is not worth it. (laughs) He isn't, girl. He's not.
1: Amped, endorsed.
2: (laughs) Stamp of
1: approval.
2: I, I will just plug
3: the queer mixers. I think discussions there slay and also amped in general, we have a lot of discussions. I think the community is so great and, like, we just are so chill that, like, most of the time we're just, like, spilling tea and having a great <laughs> time. So, sure. um, you know, come one,
2: come all to mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's hard, but thinking about your identity, I feel like is really important. And, like, just interrogating you know your own preconceived notions of race and like so yeah
0: my piece of advice would be that if you are aware of your identity and it's very important to you don't give that up in a relationship or a hookup or whatever it may be and to be aware of that and know that um, it does play a role in dating and your sex life and everything else and it's important to not ignore it I just want to thank you all again so much for coming yeah. here and recording this beautiful podcast with us. And yeah, Sex Health Reps is so happy to collab with Amped, and we hope to do some more events and other things in the future together. Yeah. And Yay. Woo! Yay. <laughs> this was so fun. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you to our listeners who are taking the time to meet our beautiful Amped members here and learn a little bit more about the mixed experience. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Dirty Chai Chats. Until next time, stay safe and stay sexy.